Welcome in, everybody. Yelling from the couch. I'm Brent Humphreys, joined by my co-host, Gage Bertovich. The NFL Week 15 Pick'em. Just the Sunday and Monday games, because uh, we're recording this on Saturday. Gage, how you doing? Doing good, Brent. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. We've got football on right now. We've had football on all day. Had a, a great Thursday night game, actually. And uh, looking forward to this weekend's games. Dude, that that Thursday night game, 42 nothing at halftime. Richard Sherman said it during the halftime show. Brandon Staley should have been fired before coming back out for the second half. Like, that was just awful. Yeah, and for a Raiders team who scored zero the week before <laughs> to explode for 63, that shows what kind of a defense you had. And Brandon Staley's supposed to be a defensive guy. Uh, you know, it's kind of crazy. Like, you know, beginning of the season, we had a certain team get blown out 70-20, to 20, and then they turned it mm-hmm. around and went on like a five- or six-game winning streak. Are they going to go on a little run here at the end? I highly doubt it with Easton Stick, but you never know. Yeah, you never know. I mean, I, I thought the Broncos were dead in the water, too, after that. But, like you said, right now they're not looking so great tonight as of right now. But, overall, they've played pretty good since getting blown out. The Chargers, I don't know, they fired Staley the next day and the uh, the GM. So, we'll see how that goes. But, yeah. I was kind of pulling for Vegas to get 10 more points there. And, that way, they broke that record and be like, well, who holds the record for most points in the game? Oh, a crappy seven and ten Vegas Raiders team. Cool. <laughs> I was kind of hoping for that too, because I'm like, okay, you scored forty two on that, uh, or 30, 42 in the first half. You're on pace to score eighty four by the end of the game. Let's do it. Make it happen. Let's let's do it. Let's score all the points here. <laughs> and and the Chargers waited till the fourth quarter. I mean, really, because it was you know they had seven points at the end of the third. And they end up getting 21, you know, scoring 14 in the fourth. You know, Easton Stick got his three touchdowns in the game, but uh, just a horrible performance from the Chargers overall to let Vegas score that many. And uh, just to, if anybody took the under, like everybody was saying, like their lock of the day is the under 36 and a half. Well, that got covered at halftime by one team. <laughs> <laughs> You're just talking about like the, you know, the poor performance by the Chargers. They had, what was it, like fumble, fumble, interception, yeah. fumble was like their first four drives or something ridiculous like that. Like, it, it was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Oh, it, it just a, a a bad performance on Thursday night from a bad team <laughs> losing to another team that's not very good either. But and then today, yeah, go ahead. If you're going against a, a fantasy team right now in the first week of playoffs that has any – uh, or basically any uh, Raiders players, good luck. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, – I mean, like you said, any Raiders player. I mean, they they got some points this week in fantasy for sure. It was a fantasy owner's dream to have a Raiders player this week. Anybody had Trey Tucker starting, I don't know who would in the playoffs, but oh, – <laughs> I don't know pretty who, well. who would have him during the regular season, let alone playoffs. <laughs> That's true, very true. <laughs> Uh, and then today, a couple of games today, the Minnesota Vikings fall to my Cincinnati Bengals 27 to 24 in overtime. A game that kind of started out a little, eh, but picked up and was a really good second half of a game in overtime. Bengals scored 21 points on Minnesota in the fourth quarter. 
to tie the game with them and then head into overtime and McPherson kicks a field goal to beat the Vikings. What did you think about that game, Gage? That was incredible to see it was 7-3 to three at one point and for it to turn out the way that it did. Um, Cincinnati wasn't able to score touchdowns until the last quarter. And it was like the Vikings defense had him locked up, had him locked up. Jamar wasn't doing anything. The run game wasn't doing anything. And then something happened. I don't know what it was, but something happened to let Jake Browning and the Bengals team just come back and send it to overtime for the win. The And that was without, you know, you're without Joe Burrow, of course. DJ Reader goes down early in the game, which – Hurts the run run defense there because he's a big stopper up the middle there. And it seemed like Ty Chandler would get chunk plays every time right up the middle, right where DJ Reader would have been. That hurt him. And then uh, DJ Ivy, he's a backup safety. He he got hurt. And then Jamar Chase gets hurt in the fourth quarter, a uh, shoulder injury. And for all that to happen and for the Bengals to come back still and win that game, T. Higgins had an incredible catch and and touchdown on that last play where he caught the ball and he turned around with his hand and just got right over the pylon right at the end to tie the game, to send it to overtime. Incredible by them. Uh, Good game by the Bengals to come back and win that game. They're still alive. They've got holding a playoff spot right now, and we'll see how that goes in the coming weeks. And like you said, that last touchdown catch, I I don't know how – I believe it was Higgins, how he was able to contort his body the way that he did to reach it over. But it, it was incredible to see. Yeah, they kept looking at it on replay, and it's like every time you're like, I don't know how he done it, but he did. I mean, <laughs> both feet are there, and the ball's over the pile on there. It's That's a touchdown. And just great awareness by him to just think about doing that. You know, not even going to try to run another play here. We're going to go ahead and get in right now. Uh, you have that, and then you have the back-to-back failed tush pushes for the Vikings yes. on third and fourth down. When you place basically your smallest guy on the roster behind Nick Nick Mullins to push him, that what are you doing? You have a fullback. Hand it off to him or let him push Mullins. I thought there's no way they're going back-to-back tush pushes, and they don't get it on the second one. I was wrong. I was glad I was wrong. <laughs> they were short. They were short. They like even lost like a little bit on the second tush push, and they still measured. And I'm like, if they're short on that, if they're short on the first one, they're gonna be short on the second one because they lost a little bit of yards. But uh, just great stop by the defense. It amazes me that Ty Chandler can be doing as good as he does, and you don't hand it to him on either one of those plays. I. I, I'm totally in agreement. I'm glad that they didn't for my sake. But I, if I was the coach, I would have been like, third down, Chandler's getting it. If he doesn't get it, guess what? Chandler's getting it again because he's proven this game that they cannot – I mean, that he can run right up the middle with them without them stopping him. But they thought the tush push was the best thing for him, and it, it didn't work out for the Vikings at least. Uh, let me ask you this question. How does it feel to have a team that has a backup quarterback that can actually win? Feels pretty good. Jake Browning is three and one now as a starter uh, since taking over for Joe Burrow. His only lost Pittsburgh. Speaking of Pittsburgh and backup quarterbacks, Gage, the second game of the day, the Indianapolis Colts defeat the Pittsburgh Steelers thirty to thirteen. 
Gage, what did you think about this game? Pittsburgh got off to a pretty good start, being up 13 to nothing. And that was it. 30 unanswered from the Colts. We could even go back to the last game that they had because we haven't talked since then against the Patriots. Trubisky is awful. He is – he's not a quarterback. Well, I guess – I mean, technically he is, but physically, is he really? No. He's not accurate at all. There was one play during the game today against the Colts where third and three maybe, and he had Pat Fryermuth on a curl route for the first down, and Trubisky throws it behind him. And you see Fryermuth, like, dives for the football and doesn't get it. I don't know – if it's the play calling, I don't know if it's Trubisky. I'm sure a lot of it is, but I think the main source, and I've not never wanted to say this, but the main source of the failure is Mike Tomlin. If this guy, winning record or not, by the end of the season, if he's not gone in the off season, whether it be released or traded, there, there's a problem within the Steeler organization and they need to get a new head coach. Man, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, he doesn't have a whole lot, you know. He seems like he wins with less sometimes, but this year Pittsburgh's got some players, I mean, besides their quarterback situation right now. But, like, George Pickens could be, like, a top receiver, you know, for any team. Deontay Johnson, he's a good receiver. It's, Najee Harris, I mean, what is going on with Najee Harris? I mean, he fumbled the ball today, and it just doesn't seem like he wants to be there anymore. Ever since Trubisky came in in the second half of one of the games a couple weeks ago after Kenny got hurt, the run game has gone straight downhill. I don't know if it's, you know, they the defenses know that, oh, Trubisky likely isn't going to make a play, so let's hone in on Najee and Jalen or what's going on. But they need to get back to what they were doing here uh, during their uh, like three- or four-game winning stint when Kenny was that quarterback running the football. It, it's it's so sad to think about. And then, you know, you talked about Pickens. Some of the things and ways that he has acted – during games and like during uh, interviews and stuff, past couple weeks, he's already reminded me of Antonio Brown with his antics and with his drama. And it's something that if he had, say, a big Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback, I don't think we'd be dealing with that. Yeah, and you know he's you're he's reminding you of Antonio Brown without the production so far. Yeah, uh, out of he's got the potential, but the production is not there yet. And you're talking about the running game. Jalen Warren a few weeks ago was really starting to come on when Pickett was in there. And I was like, man, he's going to take over running back too. And he hasn't really been able to get it going either. Uh, I think they ran for like 75 yards today in the game. And just not. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. I will say. And that's not Pittsburgh football. The one thing I was surprised about, now I turned the game off before it was over, so it might have changed. But there was no jet sweeps and no end arounds. Which, I mean, I know we had the stat for, you know, consecutive games without 400 total yards. I want to know the stat that was consecutive games without a jet sweep or uh, an end around. Yeah. And and speaking of that, it just reminded me, 
of the Bengals-Vikings game, going back to that real quick, this drives me crazy. Bengals have done this several times since Burrow's been out. They are third and one. They have Tanner Hudson come in on an end around. They hand the ball back to him. He goes out for a pass and throws an incompletion, and that's pretty much the drive killer. They got to kick a field goal. Why are they doing that? Vikings later on in the game, they do the same kind of thing with Justin Jefferson, mm-hmm. and he one-hops it to his receiver, and it's like, okay, trick plays are cool when they work, but for the most part, if your quarterback's playing good, why are we getting him out of rhythm and trying to fool the defense on this, you know, especially on short yardage situations like that? Or <laughs> why even, why or are we trying to be smart? Just on third down situations, it's like, if it doesn't work out, that's a momentum killer, and you have to punt or kick a field goal, but most likely have to punt. It's like, why why break it out then? If you're going to do it, do it on, like, first or second down. So this way, if, exactly. if the pass falls incomplete or if the person throwing the ball just gets sacked, the person running the ball takes a loss. At least you're not completely over for the drive. Yeah, and that was third and one. Like, get the first down, then you could try your little stuff on first down, but – I was like, it, it, it kills me because if they were on their own 25-yard line and it was third and one, sometimes they like to call a 40-yard bomb, which also is ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, let's just get the yard and then we could do whatever on first or second down. Let's not get too cute and try these trick plays and these long bombs when we just need a yard. And it's early in the first quarter. I mean, come on. When I laugh every time, like, I saw the Bengals do it uh, a couple times today. I know the Steelers have done it a lot this year. Um, You motion your running back out across, not into, like, a wide receiver position, but you just motion him, like, parallel with you. And Mm -hmm. to not see any of the defense go with that running back, because nine times out of ten, that's going to be a screen pass to that running back. You don't see any defensive players within five or ten yards of him when he makes yep. the catch. It's ridiculous. Yep. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You think that they'd be able to see that stuff, but obviously they don't. <laughs> and they're still getting paid the big bucks. Oh, uh, uh, the game going on right now: uh, the Detroit Lions fourteen, Denver Broncos zero. Uh, just a minute and something left before the halftime. And Detroit's uh, about to score again. Uh, what do you think about that game right now, Gage? Uh, it's interesting. I mean, if we would have done, like, say we recorded when we normally did, I would have picked the Broncos to win it because of their defense. I'm glad we didn't record when we usually do. But <laughs> this is surprising me to see 14 given up to Detroit and zero um, offensive-wise for the Broncos, who, let's face it, the Detroit Lions, they don't have that great of a defense. So for Russell Wilson and company to not be able to take advantage of that, it surprises me a lot. Yeah, and I thought that Denver would give them a lot better of a game, too. But so far, it's been all lines in this one. And uh, Russell Wilson fumbled the ball earlier in the game. And uh, – we had a big. We had a fat guy run for a little bit. I hope. I was hoping he would go on into the end zone there. But he made it about the thirty, Bill. But nice little run back for, for the big guy there uh, for Detroit. 
Uh, I was hoping for that too. That's um Isaiah Bugs. He is a former Steeler, and if he would have scored, I think I would have went crazy for him. <laughs> oh yeah, it's always good to see those the big guys get the chance to to show their athleticism by running down the field. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so that's all that's happened so far. We will get into this week's matchups coming up, and we will start off. With the five and eight New York Jets traveling to Miami to face the Miami Dolphins, Miami's an eight and a half point favorite. Not sure if Tyreek Hill's playing or not yet. Gage, what do you think about this matchup? I wish we knew if Tyreek was playing or not, because that would make this a lot easier. Um, Zach Wilson went out last week. He had himself a great game. And, you know, when he was asked, like, oh, why do you think the change? And he said, I'm playing because I have nothing to lose. Uh, this eight and a half is a lot for a team in Miami that doesn't or isn't likely to have Tyreek. And for a Jets team that Zach Wilson came out and did pretty decent last week. I'm going to go with Miami on this one just because of all the weapons they have. Raheem Mostert, Jalen Waddle, Devon Chain. But with that being said, I'm not going to take the points. So give me Miami, but go against the spread. Now, last week you mentioned the Jets. They had a pretty good game last week with a big win over the Texans. C.J. Stroud did go out in that game with a concussion. Zach Wilson, like you said, back against the corner, coming out, playing good, playing well. Miami, on the other hand, as soon as Tyreek Hill went down, Miami lost like three or four players in that first quarter. And I was like, man, they're going to lose everybody by the end of the game. They're going to have enough players to play. Turns out some of the players come back, but Tyreek Hill was the big key. He came back into the game, but you could tell he was not the same player that he was. Had a great drive where he caught like had like 48 yards on the drive. Did not get a target the rest of the game. He was in the game. He wasn't the same. Miami is not the same without Tyreek. That being said, I'm going to go with the Dolphins, too, in this one because of the rest of their weapons. They'll have a week to prepare without Tyreek. The Jets still got a pretty decent defense, I believe, but uh, the Dolphins just got too much weapons at home. Give me the Dolphins. I don't think that they'll cover either because I don't think they're the same team without him, but there's still all that speed on the field in other places. Mm-hmm. The next matchup, the Houston Texans will travel to Tennessee to face the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Tennessee is a three-point favorite. These two teams right here are the opponents of the last two teams we talked about from last week. <laughs> Gage, what do you think about this matchup? So, if, you know, if you hear it right off the bat that, oh, Titans are three-point favorites, you might be thinking, well, why is that? You know, the Texans are so much better than them. But then earlier today, and throughout the week, actually, it was reported, you know, C.J. Stroud, unlikely to play, unlikely to play. The team announced today that Davis Mills will be starting, the guy with the longest neck in the NFL ever. Um, I, I mean, he's about on the same level as Mitch Trubisky is. He's just awful. He was awful last year. He's going to be awful tomorrow. So give me the Titans in this one. Give me the points. And also my super bet is Derrick Henry to go for two touchdowns on the ground. Uh, the Titans last week were down 13 points, 14 points. They were down two touchdowns, 14 points, less than three minutes. 
first team since like 2016. The record was like oh seven hundred and whatever. Everybody it was up 14 points with less than three minutes wins the game. Will Evans said, "Not so fast, my friend." <laughs> they went down. Hopkins made some catches, and and even Henry fumbled the ball at one point in time. And it's like, well, this, this is definitely over now. Tennessee hung in there and kept going and ended up winning that game. Going for two on that first touchdown to make it 27 to 21. I was like, what? What are they doing? I was like, you miss it, you're down eight. You make it, you're down six. You got to, I, I guess I see that, but you're taking a risk. Paid off. And then they come down, and they score. And then all they had to do was kick an extra point and they win the game. And that's what happened. Uh, impressive win for the Titans, even though, you know, Miami was without Tyreek and them. Texans, on the other hand, like you said, C.J. Stroud went out. He was out with a concussion. He's not playing this week. Davis Mills steps into that spot, and Davis Mills is, like you said, a Mitchell Trubisky, not very good. Texans are, uh, you know, the underdog on the road for good reason with that guy as the quarterback. Give me the Titans in this one. I think that they cover, and I like the Derrick Henry for two touchdowns. I like that pick. The next matchup, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers travel to Green Bay to face the Green Bay Packers. Both teams are six and seven. Green Bay right now holding the number seven spot in the NFC playoffs. Green Bay is a three and a half point favorite. Gage, you probably already know who I'm picking, but who do you like? Well, I'm going to go with you on this one. Um, Jordan Love last week had you know, an off, off game for him for what he's had the past few weeks. Um, Christian Watson, he's going to be without him for a bit, but I don't think it's going to matter. Tampa Bay's awful. Um, their defense is just straight bad. Baker Mayfield, we all hate Baker Mayfield. Um, so, yeah, give me the Packers on this one. Um, three and a half is a spread. I'm not going to take that. So give me the Packers, but go against the spread on this. I like the Packers in this game as well because I don't like the Buccaneers to win this game because it's the Buccaneers. Uh, the Packers last week, a disappointing loss in New York. Uh, you know, Randy Bullock, you know, who has played for your team, has played for my team, has played for just about every team in the NFL, comes out, kicks a game winner against the Packers. Uh, the Packers just, you know, did not play their best. I think they'll pick it up back up this week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. Who – Beat a bad Falcons team last week. That division right there is just trash from top to bottom, the NFC South. But I think that the Packers will get back on track this week, and I think that they'll win by a field goal. So I don't think that they'll cover that spread either. Speaking NFC, of it. Oh, I was just going to say, the NFC South is just so bad. Like you said, from top to bottom, all four teams in it, none of them deserve a playoff spot and they should just automatically have to forfeit their spot. Yeah, that would be great. Just give it to somebody else. We'll but, take it. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the next matchup features an NFC South team where the New York Giants coming off of the big win that was just mentioned uh, with uh, Fat Randy Bullock kicking the field goal to, end the, to win the game against the New Orleans Saints who are five-and-a-half-point favorite. Gage, do you like New York to come out with Tommy DeVito and win this game? Uh, 
I love Tommy DeVito and just the way he carries himself. His agent, too, they showed him last week. He looks phenomenal. Um, he's also, I believe, getting inducted into, like, the Italian Sports Hall of Fame or something like that. Uh, Saquon Barkley, they get him going. That's what they need to be able to win. Tommy DeVito has been playing pretty good uh, ever since, like, his first two starts this year. And the Saints, you don't know what's going to happen with them. Is Derek Carr playing? Is Jameis Winston the starter? Do they have all their receivers? Do they have all their players on defense? This team, it just seems like they can never be fully healthy at once. And even if they are, they're probably not going to win. Give me the Giants on this one. Give me the underdogs. I'm going to roll with you on this one, too. I don't trust the Saints at all. Derek Carr seems like every week he's getting some sort of injury. But uh, I think that uh, last week the Giants, they finally got back to getting Saquon the ball like they should have been for a while. You know, that's what I've been saying before. Hey, let's get Saquon involved. They're finally gotten him involved. Also, the emergence, the guy that Tommy DeVito seems to like pretty well, Former Kentucky Wildcat Wandell Robinson Mm -hmm. had a pretty big game for New York last week, and he's finally coming on for him as a wide receiver and maybe becoming his favorite target and maybe that number one receiver for him. Put that along with Saquon Barkley. I like it. Give me the Giants in this one, and I think that they cover because that would be an upset if they win. The next matchup, we stay in this NFC South, and I promise after this one we're getting out because both of these teams are in NFC South. It's team six and seven Atlanta Falcons traveling to Carolina to face the one and twelve Carolina Panthers. Atlanta is a three point favorite. Gage, who do you like in this one? So this is how a game or how bad this game is gonna be. The other day, now I found out they were fake screenshots. But there were uh, there was a post going around social media that tickets for this game were as low as forty five cents, and <laughs> that I'm surprised isn't true. But still, the lowest ticket for this game is still like eleven or twelve bucks. It, it, this is if this ends up two nothing, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe one nothing somehow. I don't know. Maybe they're just like, oh, you don't even deserve the full points for the safety. Um, I, I guess I. Man, I don't know. The Panthers are just bad. Um, they're looking for another win just for dignity reasons at this point. Um, I guess mathematically, I think they are eliminated. I believe that's – yeah, I think they were one of the first teams eliminated this week. Falcons still fighting to win the division, maybe claim a, a wild card spot. So just based on that, I'm going to go with the Falcons on this one, and I will take the points. This is going to be a horrible game. <laughs> Last week, Bryce Young was, like, awful. He's been awful all season long. Uh, they just mustered up six points against the Saints. Bryce Young was 13 of 36 for 137 yards. He did not throw a pick in that game. He also did not throw a touchdown. Falcons, on the other hand, they played uh, Tampa Bay pretty close. But once again, it's in the NFC South. Every team in there is trash. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go – I'm going to take the Falcons in this one too because they still have a shot to make the playoffs, which once they get into the playoffs, if they get there, they're not going far. They are getting a home playoff game, whoever wins this NFC South, and that is a crime right there. 
The next matchup, the Chicago Bears travel to Cleveland to face the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland is a three-point favorite. Gage, do you like the Bears, the point upset here? So, uh, and I promise this is not biased. This is not my Cleveland hate coming out or anything. But it may be a little bit of Joe Flacco hate coming out. There's no way that this guy at age 39 can come in just towards the end of the season, like three quarters of the way done, and do what he has done consistently. And that is base almost play mistake-free football. He's gotten the Browns. I think he's 1-1 one one so far in his starts. And it's been incredible to see the stat line he's been putting up. He's one touchdown pass away from tying Kenny Pickett for the season and passing touchdowns. Like, wherever this Joe Flacco came from, why couldn't he do it his last few years in Baltimore and his time with the Jets? Last year, we, as Steeler fans, needed Joe Flacco to pick up a win against Miami, and he couldn't do anything. And uh, I just, as you can tell, I don't like Joe Flacco. Um, <laughs> but on the Brown side of things, Justin Fields, I mean, he's been looking pretty good. This team was able to beat the Detroit Lions last week in a surprising upset. Um, uh, we know the Browns have a good defense. I think the Bears also have a sneaky defense. They have their number one corner, Jalen Johnson, who, I mean, I'm going to assume he's going to be matched up with Amari Cooper this week. That should be a fun one to watch. I wouldn't be surprised to see Flacco turn the ball over a few times, maybe two interceptions, a fumble. And the Browns' defense, we've seen him get shredded by some bad teams this year, one of them being Pittsburgh. So with that all being said, I'm going to go Chicago on this one. Give me the underdogs for this game. Nice. Nice. I like it. (laughs) Cleveland last week, they had a big lead on Jacksonville. Let Jacksonville get back into the game, but held on at the end. Uh, Well, not really held on. Jacksonville scored late, but still, the score was closer than what the game actually was. Browns win. The Bears last week, surprisingly, thumping the lines at home. Uh, Justin Fields looked pretty good for the Bears. I'm hoping this week that they come in again and they look really good against a really good Browns defense. Like you said, hopefully Joe Flacco, he can't continue to play this well all season. Can he the rest of the year? I I hope not. Hopefully he turns the ball over a couple times tomorrow and uh, Chicago will get the win. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to pick Chicago to get this win because I, I need him to get this win for the Bengals playoffs right now. If, they're only a game behind the Browns. If the Browns lose, and then they got the same record, and they face each other in Week 18, let's go. Give me the Bears in this one. Let's go. How insane would it be if the NFL scriptwriters wrote Joe Flacco back into the season and took uh, Cleveland to the Super Bowl and won it? I think that would be all of our nightmares. Oh, man. That would be. I I don't know. I would have to, like, watch some other sport or something. I mean, it's all XFL from here on out. We'll make our XFL picks starting this spring if that happens. <laughs> Coming this spring, 2024. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the XFL week two pick them. <laughs> that's, that's what it would be. Oh, man. Oh, I never even thought of that scenario, and I hope that does not happen. <laughs> oh. 
I, I hope not, but oh god, that would be awful. Shred up, shred that script right now. Oh, <laughs> um, the next game, the slumping Kansas City Chiefs. Tony was offsides. <laughs> Go against the New England Patriots. Chiefs are an eight-point favorite. Gage, do you think New England will build off of their win last week and take down the mighty Chiefs? It's funny that you mentioned the whole Tony was offside, uh, offside thing because he totally was. I am not denying that he was, but that touchdown should have counted just for how awesome it was. Like yes. there, it, Kelsey threw it where it had to be perfectly, and yes. I. I Listening to him talk on uh, the podcast with him and Jason Kelsey, he was like, you know, I, it was not planned, and I don't know how I threw a perfect spiral like that, but Tony, <laughs> it was incredible. That'll go down as, like, one of the best touchdowns that didn't count. Um, And like you said, the Patriots, you know, they're coming off a win last week against a certain team. I wouldn't know who that would be. Um, <laughs> but Bailey Zappi actually, you know, put on a clinic. Who would have thought that Hunter Henry would have had two touchdowns? Um, does that continue this week? I don't think so. I don't see the Patriots being able to string together a couple wins. Um, I could also see, you know, Bill Belichick. They already said, you know, you're basically you're gone after this season unless you do something miraculous. And I think that's just going to continue this narrative. Give me the Chiefs this week. Give me the points. I'm with you here, and I'm with you on that call. Uh, Tony was offsides, but it should have counted for how awesome the play was. But nobody's going to remember that play for it being a touchdown, but everybody's talking about the offsides and then the reaction Patrick Mahomes had on the sidelines and then Andy Reid's comments about you can't call that there. Why can't you call that there? That's a penalty. (laughs) You call it if you see it. (laughs) It's like, well, I stole from my neighbor down here, but, I mean, you can't get me for that. (laughs) No, you you committed the crime. You're going to get called for it. I mean, it's the same, you know. But, like, as you said, it's an awesome play, but it didn't count. It was offsides. I think the Chiefs are going to be mad from losing that game and losing the week before, too. You know, having a two-game losing streak coming into New England. New England's trying to build off of that win streak one game. Like you said, Belichick's probably gone after this year, most likely. They won't have a shot of making the playoffs right now. So there's no miracle he can pull off right now. (laughs) Give me the Chiefs in this one, and I think that they cover. I think that they are going to be mad as can be and ready to prove something. And unfortunately for the Patriots, they're next. Isn't it crazy that Mahomes and Andy Reid are saying, like, oh, you can't call it in that situation. You can't call that. Meanwhile, you go back to the Super Bowl against the Eagles, and there was, you know, a particular holding call that got called against Philly to ultimately give Kansas City the win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of ironic, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next matchup, the San Francisco, San Francisco 49ers. Travel to Arizona to face the Arizona Cardinals. San Francisco's a 12-point favorite. Gage, do you think Arizona's got anything for San Francisco this week? I wouldn't be surprised if this was actually a lot better game than what most people think it's going to be. 
Um, these two teams played each other earlier in the season when Kyler Murray wasn't at quarterback. And, yeah, I mean, the 49ers won. The score wasn't really that close. But Arizona was still able to score. Now, since then, I think the 49ers have gotten a much better defense. But Arizona, like I said, they got Kyler Murray back. Um, I mean, do I think Arizona wins? Absolutely not. But with that being said, I will take the 49ers here. But I'm not going to take the points. I think this game will be a lot closer than what people uh, think it will be. Arizona is coming off of a bye. They've had two weeks to prepare. It's an interdivision matchup between them and San Francisco. San Francisco could be one of the best teams in the league. I know they say every week they got all that talent, everything. They're great. I don't think that Arizona is going to be able to hang with them. Give me the Niners in this one. I think the Niners will win by – they'll cover. I think that they'll cover the spread, the 12-point spread. Give me the Niners in this one. The next matchup, the Washington Commanders at 4-9 travel to L.A. to face the L.A. Rams. The Rams are six-and-a-half-point favorites. And the Rams blew that game last week on the return kick by Baltimore, which probably hurt both of us last week. Gage, you think the Rams can bounce back and beat the Commanders? I hope so. I don't see any reason why the Commanders should be able to beat the Rams. I mean, they really got nothing going for them defensively. They have just about nothing going for them offensively. And you look at the Rams side of things, they have Puka. They got Cooper Cup. They got uh, Kyron Williams. They got Matthew Stafford throwing the rock. And defensive-wise, I mean, they got some very good people besides Aaron Donald, who's very elite. Um, in that backfield, Killa Witherspoon, just to name one, probably their top corner on the team, who he'll likely be matched up with Terry McLaurin. And like one of the earlier games, I could see that uh, one-on-one matchup being something to watch for this week. I think it's going to be a great battle. But ultimately, I think the Rams are going to come out on top. And I think it'll probably be I, – I wouldn't be uh, surprised if it was like a two-touchdown 17-point uh, game maybe. So give me the Rams on this one and give me the points. The Rams last week put up 31 points against the Ravens. Like I said, they should have won that game you know, in overtime. I think the Rams are going to put up some more points again. This week against the Commanders, I just don't think the Commanders are very good at all. Although the Commanders are coming off of a bye week. And, well, the week before the bye, the Dolphins killed them. Uh, I think that the Rams will win. I'm with you here. I don't think that – I think they'll win by about 10 is what I would say. Uh, give me the Rams in this one. Give me the Rams to cover. And I believe so far, man, we have been in agreement on every pick so far. So we're going to either look really good or really bad. Yeah, this is either together. Yeah, like you said, either really good or really bad. Um, but these last three games, I could see us having a difference of opinions. Oh yeah, and I was about to say we're about to get into what the NFL's given us for the last three games of this week. Look like on paper could be really good matchups. We'll start with the four twenty-five game. The Dallas Cowboys travel to Buffalo in Orchard Park to face the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo is a two-point favorite after their win over the Chiefs last week. Gage, do you like Buffalo to win this game? Wow, two-point favorite really surprises me. The Bills this year, they have not been the Buffalo Bills that they were the past two, three years. 
Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. I, I don't know how many yards off the top of my head Diggs is up to, but I don't think it's going to end um, like he did the past few years and even uh, some time in Minnesota. Um, Defensive-wise, they they took a lot of hits in the offseason. They've taken a lot of injury hits during the season. And for the Cowboys, they got everything going for them right now. C.D. Lamb has been unstoppable. Dak Prescott is in the running for um, offensive player and MVP. Um, they got that Deron Bland, who's, uh, I think, third or fourth right now and favorites for uh, defensive player of the year. Uh, this game, I, you know, I could see it being close, but I'm going to go uh, against the favorite. Give me the Cowboys in this one, and what is a surprising underdog win? Cowboys last week beat an Eagles team by 20. An Eagles team who, since the loss to the Jets, have ran the gauntlet on this schedule. They faced the Dolphins. They faced the Commanders, but the Commanders are a bad matchup for the Eagles. I think they match up really well with the Eagles. Nobody else but the Eagles. Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, Niners, Cowboys again. So the Eagles were bound to have a bad game and drop it, and it happened to be against Dallas. And a very important game for the Eagles and the Cowboys. The Bills last week had a big win over the Chiefs. They're trying to get things going again. This game's in Buffalo. It's going to be cold. I like Buffalo to win this game and to cover the spread. I think they'll win by three. I think it's going to be a little bit of a letdown game for the Dallas Cowboys. If it goes the other way, it could be a letdown game for the Bills, but I'm going to choose to go the other way, and I'm going to take Buffalo in this one. And there there we we are. (laughs) (laughs) Now we head to Sunday night. It's the Baltimore Ravens at 10-3. and Facing the Jacksonville Jaguars, Buffalo, Buffalo, Baltimore is a three and a half point favorite, and there's questions about Lawrence playing this week. Gage, what do you think about this matchup? We said it last week that you know, oh, Jacksonville would be crazy to play Trevor Lawrence this week. They would be crazy to do that, and then they went out no. and played Trevor Lawrence. Um, him being questionable this week could be a result from that. Um, I don't know for sure, but it could very well be a result from that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see C.J. Beathard either start or come in because Trevor Lawrence got injured during the game. We know how hard-hitting that Ravens uh, defense is, so that could be something to look out for. And offensive-wise, the Jaguars have just struggled a lot this year. Um, They might have had two good offensive games while the rest of them have been just struggle boats so and with the way Lamar runs and Odell Beckham Jr. even having what could be a career year um so far he has a career high in yards per catch I think he's at like 15.6 or whatever and that whole tandem just coming together. Isaiah Likely uh, filling in for Mark Andrews, doing well like I thought he would. I'm going to go with the Ravens on this one, and I'm definitely going to take the spread. Give me the Ravens. Give me the points. As you said, Isaiah Likely, likely to fill in for Mark Andrews at tight end. <laughs> Baltimore uh, last week had the win in overtime, uh, you know, on the kick return. And, you know, as a Ravens hater, I did not like to see that. Uh, Baltimore's been rolling pretty good. Jacksonville, uh, Lawrence probably will start, 
like we said last week, he'd been crazy to start. And like you said, it might be a result of that last week. And I think that Jacksonville doesn't have enough power for Baltimore. I think Baltimore is going to look pretty good in this game. I think that they'll win. Uh, give me Baltimore and give me Baltimore to cover. And I think that they'll win by at least 10 in this game, even though it's in Jacksonville. Yeah. I hate to say that too, man. Yeah, that, that just hurts to say. And the Ravens right now are the number one seed in the AFC. So, I mean, they'll have home field throughout the whole playoffs. But if we know anything about Lamar, he does like to choke. So, we'll see. <laughs> we go to Monday night. And it's the Philadelphia Eagles flying up northwest to face the Seattle Seahawks. Philly coming off of that beat down to, to uh, Dallas. This is actually Dallas's last two wins, these two teams right here. Philly's a three-point favorite. Gage, you like Philly to bounce back in this one? is Philly coming off that beatdown um, against Dallas, but they're actually coming off that two-game losing streak right now with the previous week taking a huge loss to the 49ers. Maybe, you know, 49ers and Dallas, two of the better teams in the league, but that ultimately dropped Philly, um, I believe, into the, the fifth or sixth spot in the wild card. And it's crazy what that can do with, you know, the Eagles. Oh, they only got one loss. They're the best team in the league to, oh, well, they take two losses in a row. Like, what's going on here? Um, yeah, this, it, it seems like it should be an easy pick and just say, oh, Philly's going to get back on track and they're going to come out and just absolutely wallop the Seahawks. Uh, it, it, I think it's going to be a lot better of a game than what people are thinking. Um Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown, they really haven't done much recently. Um, A.J. Brown went 9 for 94 last week, but it was all scoreless yards, and it was all basically like on 10-yard slants and out routes. Um, Devontae Smith, he's had a little bit um, more of a success with Jalen Hurts in the past couple weeks. On the Seahawks side of the ball, they could not get the running game going last week. Uh, Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet just weren't able to do anything. And through the air, uh, Gino to DK, Gino to Lockett, uh, it was it, it looked okay, but it was nothing to you know uh, run home about. So with that being said, with the Eagles defense that they have, I'm gonna go with Philly on this one. Do I think they run away with it? No, but I will take the spread. So give me Philly. Give me the points. If anybody could use a second bye during the NFL season, it would be Philly right about this time. Mm -hmm. Like you said, back-to-back beatdowns to the top two teams in the NFC right now. Philly's limping coming into uh, Seattle. Seattle, you know, had a loss last week to 49ers, which they played pretty close for most of the game, but Obviously, I think San Francisco is probably the best team in the NFL right now. Uh, Sam, and Seattle played them close. They played the Cowboys close. I think that they'll play Philly close too. But ultimately, I think Philly will get back on track this week and get the win against the Seahawks and beat them up there in Seattle. I think it'll be close. I think that Philly will probably push in this game. Three-point favorite, I think it'll be a push. Uh, give me the Eagles to win this game, though. And that is our week 15 picks. Yeah, we, we went the same route on a lot of these games, which I'm surprised. 
Yeah, usually we have about four or five where we differ, but uh, we're, I don't know, 15 weeks later, and we're, we're in agreement on a lot of these. <laughs> we're, we're finally becoming, you know, getting on the same wavelength. And next Saturday, I mean, a big game coming up. <laughs> It'll be, uh, you know, a pretty big game on NBC next Saturday at 4.30. We, we may agree. We may not agree on that one. I don't know. I guarantee you we will agree on that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we're after this week, man, we just got three more weeks left of regular season, and then it's playoff time. It's, uh, it's I almost know, here. I know we've talked about it before, but just like that commercial, that's the you know, it just becomes a cold night in Buffalo. And yeah. it, it's becoming true. Yeah, there's a, there's a new one out I like now where it's like uh, they're all talking about the holiday season. They think they said, you think the holiday season goes by fast? I'm like, huh, football season goes by fast. You're like, because one night you're just sitting there watching football. And said, then it's March, and it's got the two guys in a bar hugging each other, and everybody's disappeared. <laughs> and they look at the camera like, uh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's getting that way. So I know – we talked about like the World Series and stuff when that uh, time came around uh, a few weeks ago. We haven't talked since this has happened, but what are your thoughts on the Shohei Otani contract? Oh man, oh, Shohei, seven hundred million, ten years. That's a lot. That's a lot of money. Uh, the Dodgers, uh, and and they're only paying two million for his whole contract. And then when the contract's over, they're going to pay him $680 million. Smart move by the Dodgers ownership right there. Smart move by Shohei. You know, he's getting endorsement deals like $45 million per year. He doesn't really need that money. But, man, that's a sweet deal for him and a sweet deal for the Dodgers management. Hey, you know. We'll agree to this deal with him, and then we're like ten years later. Maybe we'll sell the team, and somebody else can be on the hook for it. You know. Yeah, I, I thought the contract was really interesting. Um, I think they're paying out the six hundred and eighty, like from like twenty thirty four to twenty forty three. Um, I think it was so over that span that six eighty will be paid out, kind of like the Bobby Bonilla contract. Um, but it's interesting to put out that amount of money for someone that you don't know if he's going to be pitching again. He's gone through injuries. They've already announced he's not pitching next season. So he'll be primarily DH, and there's a report today that he'll be open to playing some outfield. But I don't think they'll do that. I think they're going to save him only for DH and try to have him pitch when his arm gets better. Yeah, uh, that like if you're paying seven hundred million, uh, you would hope that you're getting a pitcher and a hitter. But uh, they've already announced he's not going to pitch. They announced that before he even signed with anybody that he wasn't going to be pitching next year. But for that amount of money, you would hope that hopefully eventually down the line he's going to do both for us. Because if not, that's a lot of money to pay one guy and. He's he's great and all, but seven hundred million is a whole lot of money for that's, one guy. That makes me wonder if like that's why Otani came up with a hey, pay me two million a year, defer the rest, because he knows that you know my pitching time is probably limited right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But yeah, it's uh, and and the Dodgers have been, you know, buying up more players as well. They got Glassnow from uh, the Rays, and so they're like, they're not done buying. <laughs> it's like, it, man, somebody's got to pay for this somewhere. <laughs> and it definitely would not surprise me if they're the ones that end up signing that Yamamoto uh, from Japan and just giving him a five or six year deal. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And, you know, they're definitely trying to buy them a World Series. And that's what it's all about, winning a World Series, right? <laughs> yeah, if this team doesn't win, like, three or four within the next ten years, that Utani contract may be looked at as, like, the biggest bust in baseball history. Yeah, and you mentioned the Bobby Bonilla deal that ends, uh, I believe, in 2035. And Otani's deal would begin in 2034. So it's like he's passing off the, you know, hey, it's going to be Shohei Otani day for the next 10 years like it was Bobby Bonilla day for the last 30 years. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, we'll see how it works out for the Dodgers. I, I kind of hope it, they fall on their face. with it. That's me personally. <laughs> oh, I do too. And being a, a Pirates fan, I know what it's like to, like, have a, a team that doesn't shell out money. So to see a 10-year, $700 million contract, I hope it absolutely fails, and I hope that they win zero World Series rings over the next 10 years. Absolutely, and you're a Pirates fan. I'm a Reds fan, so I know I know how the team does not like to spend money at all. Occasionally, <laughs> they'll bring in a free agent and be like, hey, we got this guy in. I'm like, who? <laughs> it's like the Pirates the other day, they signed a – First baseman Rowdy Telez to a one-year, like three point two million dollar deal or whatever, and it's like, oh, Rowdy Telez, a whopping two thirteen, whatever he hit last year. I'm like, oh, gee, thanks, guys. That was like the Reds last year. Like, hey, we just signed Will Myers. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, oh, we, hey, let's party. That's what we got in free agency. Cool. <laughs> what these other teams get? Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Nice. And we're stuck with this one. Oh, yeah, that's going to work out good. But Yeah, we'll, we'll see how the Dodgers do in that. Like you said, I think we're both rooting for them to fall on their face and uh, be out all that money. But good for Shohei. I mean, really good for him to get that money. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, three more weeks of the regular season. I'll see you next week. And we'll get to talk a little Bengals Steelers when we record next time. Alrighty, sounds good. I will talk to you later. All right, we'll see you.